That was, um, yeah. Uh, rarely do you hear that kind of groove in a church. So that's fantastic. Um, today we'll be—I'll be finishing, like I said, Ecclesiastes. Um, I, you know, we've done it a disservice in the sense that it really is a flyby, and uh, you know, instead of doing a little bit for the whole book, um, we just sort of dove into two aspects. But I encourage you read the book. It's challenging, uh, but it's also good. Uh, and it turns out it's also part of the Bible. Go figure, right? It really has been a joy uh, and a pleasure and an honor to be here. And uh, so thanks, thanks everyone. All right, so last week, those of you who remember or here, we discussed the difference between a successful life and an abundant life. You know, that's this notion that what we really want is a is a existence that's full or a, a full life. But that sometimes we believe this lie that says that success is the path to that life more abundant. Uh, so we discussed that. Today, we're actually going to be discussing the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I think, I, I actually don't... Um, I, I, I have a confession to make. I don't listen to Pastor Justin, but I think, Nick, you kind of are going through that a bit, like the kingdom of heaven and what it means to work in God's kingdom, or at least to reference it. Am I wrong in that? Not really? We have. Okay. So we're going to go through that, and you might say, what? Ecclesiastes in the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, remember, the whole book points to the living person of Christ, meaning the whole Bible, including Ecclesiastes. And, and really, you know, it, it, what we'll see here is there's a vast difference between the context of, especially this first chapter of Ecclesiastes, which is under the sun, right, and God's kingdom. There's a big, there's a big contrast there. There's, uh, you can think of it as the grand positive. So, for example, have you ever read the, you know, when you read the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, mostly. But with that, there's a grand positive. So today we're going to go through that. Okay, wait. Kingdom? Kingdom of God? Kingdom of what? What are you talking about? The movie? No, not the movie. Um, so I'll read you what Jesus said when the Pharisees asked this exact question. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would happen, he, mean Jesus, answered, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, behold, the kingdom of God is because the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The midst of you, this church, in the midst. So we're going to talk more about that. And also, just a quick aside, don't be surprised, in fact, be surprised if this weren't true, if the way that I talk about the kingdom of heaven it's different than Pastor Justin. Um, think of it like this. What if you met someone from Denver, Colorado, but you were from New York City? Same country, very different experiences. Don't you think God's kingdom is even bigger? More diverse? I think so. We are often tempted 
myself included, we're often tempted to think of the Bible as a really good self-help book. You know, if you go into a bookstore, you, especially at the airport, good, oh, it's just, you know, how to get better at this, read Inc. 2.0 on how to be this and be a better and this and that. And we think of the Bible as how to be a good person. Um, how to have a better marriage, how to do better at your job, how to be wise, how to manage your finances. We think the Bible is really good at teaching this. We think, just do what the Bible says and things will go better. And indeed, there's truth to that. Even as a pagan, there's truth to that because godly principles are good. But, as we'll see this morning, in here in Ecclesiastes, in the scripture that we're about to read, I promise we'll get to the Bible, we see that the teacher, likely Solomon, is writing that none of that matters, meaningless. That, that meaning, yeah, your job, the, you know, how to be better with your finances, with, what, wisdom, wealth, none of it matters. Well, wait a minute. Why, the, wasn't the Bible how to be better at that stuff? Yeah, Ecclesiastes says it doesn't matter. That stuff's all meaningless. It uses the word hebel, like a vapor, a mist. Nonsense, you might say. So here's my challenge for you this morning. My challenge is, as we read through the scripture, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 1, by the way. See, just in your own mind, right? Challenge each verse. And see if it's not true, just in your own life experience. Okay, so without further ado, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I'll be reading out of the ESV for at least this particular. And reminder, when it says vanity, like vanity, what does that mean? Like a vanity license plate? Like I get my hair cut at a place called Vanity Studios, which I think is the worst name ever. Um, like, so in this case, yeah, vanity means it's the, uh, the Hebrew word hebel, which I said completely wrong, and probably a Hebrew speaker wouldn't even understand what I just said. It's H-E-B-E-L. Uh, and what it means is a mist or a vapor or just has no substance, all right? So when you see vanity, just think mist or vapor. All right, verse chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Hebel, mist. All is mist. <clears throat> what does it mean? What does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and then hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been, what will be, 
and what has been done and what will be done. And there is nothing new, nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it said, see, this is new? No, it has been already. In the ages before us, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Okay, wow. Okay, in this Bible, this strange book called Ecclesiastes, it's telling us it's all kind of meaningless. It all matters. It doesn't, nothing matters. It's, if you look around, it's just a cycle and that's all. No wonder, folks, and this is really true, um, there's consternation about the fact that Ecclesiastes even exists in the Bible. And I guess you can kind of see why. It's sort of like, this passage today, right? It's sort of like the movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Everyone, I try not to spoil it, but just quick, quick raise of hands. I'm just totally curious who's seen it. Oh, not a lot of people have seen it. Oh, that's interesting to me. So this is not going to make much sense. In fact, I might just skip over it or do something. Okay, so really, no one's, not many people have seen it? All right, I'm not going to recommend it. But it's kind of interesting also. So anyway, um, it's a movie. So I'll give a quick synopsis and then the, the illustration. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very strange movie. The premise is, you know, multiverse jumping and so forth. But at the end of the day, it really is about family. And there's multiple scenes, and I, I, I won't spoil it by giving a couple of examples. So um, you have to see it to, for it to make sense. But there's a scene when the, they, the main character's couple of the main characters jump to a universe where there are rocks. <laughs> so they're on this cliff and there's these rocks. And it's kind of a poignant scene. And so one of the characters called Jobu, um, she says, every new discovery is just a reminder. And then her mom fills it in that we're all small and stupid. And then later on, when uh, the daughter Jobu is talking to her mom, the dialogue goes something like this. Joy, or Jobu, says, I got bored one day. So she's this uh, sort of like a very powerful character that spans multiple universes. I got bored one day, and I put everything on a bagel. Okay, so the funny reference here is an everything bagel. Okay, so that's the idea. I got bored one day and put everything on a bagel. Everything. All my hopes and dreams my old report cards, every breed of dog, every last personal ad on Craigslist, and of course sesame, poppy seed, and salt. And it collapsed on itself because you see, when you really put everything on a bagel, it becomes this, the truth. The mom, what is the truth? Sounds like Pilate, right? Jobu, nothing matters. Mom, no, Joy, you don't believe that. Joy, no, it feels nice, doesn't it? If nothing matters, then all the pain and guilt you feel for making nothing of your life goes away, sucked into the bagel. So is that really all it is? Is the movie right? Is Ecclesiastes 
advocating that we just give up? Even Solomon, uh, in chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, I'm going to read from the message. It's a little bit more. um, So Solomon writing, that's when I called it quits, gave up on everything that could be hoped for on this earth. What's the point of working your fingers to the bone if you hand over what you worked for to someone else who never even lifted a finger? Smoke, that's that word hebel, that's what it is. A bad business from start to finish. So what do you get from a life of hard labor? Pain, grief, dawn to dusk, never a decent night's rest. Nothing but smoke. The best thing you can do with your life is have a good time, get by the best you can, and the way I see it, that's it, divine fate. Whether we feast or fast, it's up to God. God may give wisdom and knowledge and joy to his favorites, but sinners are assigned the life of hard labor and end up turning their wages over to God's favorite. Nothing but smoke spitting into the wind. Meaningless. A life constrained to what's here on earth, or as Ecclesiastes puts it, under the sun. Note, under the sun is actually only used in Ecclesiastes, but it's used a lot, 29 times in fact. So here's, here's the thing. Ecclesiastes provides a very clear-eyed but unflinching view of what, how things really are. And you go, no, that can't be how things are. I challenge you to look into that, see if it's not true. It's, the thing is, though, it's a naturalistic world. The book and today's passage rightly points out that without the gospel, without the good news of Christ here on earth, there is no meaning to this life. In fact, so the gospel is the grand reality, or excuse me, the grand positive to Ecclesiastes. This is contrasted to under the sun, which is the context for most of the book, means natural world. That's what naturalists care about, the natural known world. Those of you who've read Richard Dawkins, this is his, one of his main points, right? The term supernatural is beyond natural. And here we have, in this book we call the Bible, here we have the story of how God sent his only son to interrupt our world from above the sun disrupting it, causing, as a friend of mine, Craig Finley, would say, trouble. Why? To bring truth, to bring meaning, to bring us a full life. Or, said another way, to bring his kingdom here on earth. And that's where you get this notion of the kingdom of God here, which is what happened when Christ came, but not yet because it is not fully fulfilled, which happens on Christ's second return. If we really come to grips with the reality, right, that everything in this natural world, everything under the sun has no meaning. Like, wait, Mark, no, 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 my family is meaningful. Just hold on. Under the sun has no meaning. Then we have more reason to accept the fact that the good news 
the reality of Jesus is indeed good news. If we believe this, truly believe that a life constrained under the sun doesn't matter, then we must acknowledge that the living person of Jesus is all we have. Not Jesus and, just Jesus. Okay, so how do we do this work practically? By doing God's work, by participating in heaven's economy, the here but not yet. So where does this leave us? Are we doomed to try and be content with what we have? Like the movie Everything Advocates, do we simply live in the now and know that that's all there is? It seems we crave for more than that, right? Don't we want more than that? And then Ecclesiastes again, right? Where it says that God put eternity in our hearts. Working in God's kingdom is what gives us meaning, fulfillment, and the full life that we crave. Mark, working in God's kingdom, what does that even, what does that even mean? Doing Christian things? What does that mean? One way I like to think about it, and this is an analogy, okay? So don't hear that um, this is really, so uh, something that has sentimental value. So think about something that has sentimental value. Don't hear things that have sentimental value are what I'm defining as working in God's kingdom. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is an analogy. It's a way of thinking about how it is that things that we do within the context of God's kingdom matters. Okay? Think about something sentimental. So, for example, my story is when I was eight or nine, somewhere along in there, uh, I had a cat that I loved dearly. Okay, so first off, for those of you who know me, know that I don't like cats. So this is one example of how I've grown and changed to a better person. Just saying. Okay, anyway. I had a cat. The cat was super cool. It would come when you call, blah, blah, blah. And it died. Uh, kind of a horrible death, I think, actually. I was super distraught. And my dad, um, he cried with me and so forth. And then he gave me his pocket knife. Okay, so my question to you is, is the actual pocket knife valuable itself I'm here to tell you it's not five bucks maybe is it valuable to me yes yes very much so another way of thinking about this is for example what about think what about the things that you do for the people that you love and care about so for example I enjoy fixing coffee for my wife in the morning. That's meaningful to me. The act of fixing coffee itself, is that meaningful? No, but when you add the relationship, when you add my relationship with my father, when you add my relationship with my wife, it starts to become meaningful. It's a relationship thing. Jesus himself, in Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 40, he talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, something like this, starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, so this is talking about the second coming of Christ when he comes back to this world, 
He will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all nations, and he will separate people one from another, as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick and in prison to visit you? And the king will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Working in the kingdom of heaven. You see, here we have the context, which is, this is the judgment. Because as Solomon points out over and over in the book, death really is the ultimate equalizer. If you really want to think about things simply as to why nothing matters, it's because we all die and end up in the same place. We're here on earth. After we're done here on earth, we've got nothing under the sun. So where are you putting your treasure? Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7 through 10. Again, the message. Seize life. Eat bread with gusto. Drink wine with a robust heart. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors or scarves. Relish life with the spouse you love. Each and every day of your precious life. Each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it. Do it and heartily. This is your last and only chance. There's neither work to do nor thoughts to think in the company of the dead where you're most certainly going. Joy and wisdom are found in good relationships. By the way, fruits of the spirit, okay? Joy and relationships are found in good fear. It is also absence in, absent in the presence of sin, and disrupted relationships. Good relationships here under the sun start with a good relationship with Christ. So this morning, I invite you to walk with me. In fact, all of us together in God's church, his bride, as the Bible says, the streets of God's kingdom. Let's go window shopping in God's kingdom. Let's say hi to the neighbors. Let's stop by the bakery as we do our work. Doing the hard but the incredibly fulfilling work of the kingdom. Let me give you a few examples of what jumps out at me. And again, remember, God's kingdom is very diverse. Let me give you a few examples of things that jump out at me. The first is exactly part of the announcements this morning. Oh, we need eight people to help with the community lunch. Oh, 
one of my favorites that in my world is um, this family we know, and there's this other family, and they literally, through a series of unfortunate events, <laughs> lost all their cars, uh, just kind of one after another. And they, they literally had no vehicle whatsoever. And this family, they had a car, and, and oh, it was one of the older daughters, and she, I mean, it wasn't like an extra one laying around, like it was actually her car. And she's like, oh, you know what? Here, have my car. It's yours now. I love that. That's how the kingdom of heaven works. That's how family works. That's how, that's a, that's a life full of joy and abundance. I remember when we were, many years ago, we had a house and we had to get it painted and we didn't have any money, et cetera, et cetera. A friend of mine, not even in our church, like, and honestly, he wasn't a super close friend, certainly a friend, but not super close. He's like, Mark, I'm coming over, I'm bringing guys, we're going to paint your house. And they did. What the heck? Kingdom of heaven. Stepping out and doing something uncomfortable as part of this community, this church community or the community in Capitol Hill. That's the work. That's how it works in God's kingdom. And just the other day, hanging out with good friends, so grateful. Because this is how it works in God's kingdom. Participating in this kingdom and this economy, where things are upside down from the economy that we see here under the sun, participating in this, by definition, means that we stop trying to make it all happen ourselves, that we die to self, and that we literally put our weight on Christ. We have to trust in Jesus. We have to admit that we can't do it. And therefore, and by doing that, we find full life. In the words of Jesus, he said, he who loses his life for me will find it. God is the one who gives us abundance, full life. He gives us all these super good things. Like, I love Nick's testimony. Like, you move into this house and it's just like, here, Nick, here's a gift. And that's how God is. Here's the thing, though. Let's be sure that we play, that we enjoy, that we, part that we use these gifts. Let's play with them, these new toys, in, the live in God's living room, not in the garbage dump. Let's participate in God's kingdom, not some silly thing where we are the king. Let's pray. And so, Lord, it, you know, it's funny. It always comes down to this, right? It comes down to you, as it should. Um, so, again, this morning, we, we humbly come to you, and we... I acknowledge uh, that you're God. 
And I want to say thank you for sending your only son, literally your son, to become fully human, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, be crucified on the cross for our shortcomings, only to rise again on the third day. So here this morning, and, um, you know, sometimes it's for the first time, and sometimes it's not. It doesn't, that's not important. I think what's important is that we all search our hearts, all of us, me too, that we search our hearts. Where are we putting our trust? Which kingdom are we participating in? Are we participating in one of our own construction? Are we doing things where it's important that we're in control? Or do we walk the streets of God's kingdom and we're doing things the way that he does them, where we're literally giving up and putting our heart, putting our weight on the center of the living person of Christ? So, Lord, I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to do your thing that you would convict where it needs, where you would give hope where it's needed, you would give peace. Lord, that you would wrap your arms around us. You are so, so good. So Lord, I confess, I, uh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. My kingdom's terrible. I can't figure this out. This world is beyond me. So forgive me, Lord, for continuing to try to do this. Forgive me for my shortcoming. Forgive me for my sin. Lord, come into my heart. Have, I want to have relationship with you every day. I want to walk with you. Further, I want to walk with you in your kingdom because it's cool. The shops are awesome. The downtown is the best I've ever seen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being God. Thank you for this good news. Thank you for saving us from this terrible, silly kingdom of ours and allowing us to participate in your kingdom that defies all comprehension, in a kingdom that is way above the sun as well. In your wonderful, glorious name, amen.